Today is Groundhog's Day. I hope you celebrated it with your kids this morning, told them what it meant. Um, this is the holiday that um, the, the, when we are the ancient people and they are studying the dead English language, they will say, now that one was a weird one. That will be the official scholarly stance on Groundhog's Day. Uh, we, uh, what's funny, and I, I bring this up only because it sets the scene for our sermon. It's funny to me as if it was just an idea that we said, well, you know, the, the groundhog comes out of, his, uh, out of his hole today. He checks his calendar, sees it's February 2nd, comes out, sees if he could see his shadow um, and determines winter. But there's like actually a ceremony with people standing and they hold it up. And this is news. They show it on news stations. Um, and they hold it up and they're like, look, here he is, and this is it. And they put it back and people, people are there for it. Cheering and stuff. And you, you just think there would be something worth getting together to get together. Uh, you, you think it'd be worth bringing us together for all of us to come together. But no, we'll just come out for anything. Uh, especially if they're going to put it on the news. And you might get interviewed afterward, say, yeah, I saw him, see, I saw him glance at his shadow, that was it, you know, and they're, that's not how they talk in Pennsylvania, is it? <laughs> but, <laughs> however they talk, but, uh, but to bring people together to say, well, today we're going to meet, is kind of a big deal. People from all over the place come to meet here and we meet under one purpose. Now, if your purpose is as silly as Punxsutawney Phil, I do know his name, um, the, uh, I do research for my sermons. Uh, if your purpose is, um, to, to just, is for something silly, then it's not going to feel that meaningful. And sometimes that's why church doesn't feel all that meaningful is because if you come just because it's just what you do, that's what mom and daddy did, and that's what... Or if you come because this is, this is the church that makes me feel right, and this is the church that's got it all together, or it, which, if you think that about this church, you are gravely mistaken. Um, we do not have it all together, and we do not have it all right, and we will not apologize for that either. Um, we do believe that Jesus has it all together, and he has it all right, and we will follow him. Um, but if you come just because there's, that's just sort of the thing you do, and you don't have the reason for gathering together, you don't have a good reason, then I would, I would argue that this is probably a, a silly thing to be doing. But I do think we have a good reason to be gathering together. There is a, um, there's a group of people that once met out in front of a land they were about to go in and whoop up on. Uh, their, their leader was named Joshua. Um, he, he stood in front of them and he said to them, Hey, we're about to go in here. This is a real loose paraphrase, mind you. We're about to go in here and we're about to fight some battles in the name of God. But before we do that, I've got to tell you what happened. God called our descendants long ago in the land of our forefathers, Abraham. They called him and brought him to this land and promised to turn him into a great nation. And he had a son named Isaac and Abraham and uh, Isaac and Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons and Jacob's uh, sons were 
rascals. Once again, paraphrase. And we, long story short, which is what happens from Genesis 50 to Exodus 1, long story short, we're a whole nation of people and we're enslaved in, in Egypt and God comes and brings great uh, pains on the people of Egypt and rescues his people from slavery in Egypt and we come out and we, we are great warriors because of God. We, are, we conquer everything because of God. People, people think that they're going to get under or whoop us. Like, remember, and this is Joshua says, remember that guy, uh, Balak, the, the king. He believed that he could summon Balaam to, to curse you. And I wouldn't let him. I just made him bless you over and over again because I made his donkey talk. And that was awesome, Joshua says. So and there's this and he says and and when you when you wanted to go up against Jericho you didn't just fight the guys you just marched around the city 13 times total and the city came crumbling down you won the battle because of God you were uh, you were called by God and you were eventually uh, rescued by God and now as we stand at this moment now as we stand in this place the question is as we enter into Israel, or as we enter into our week, the question is, who are you going to serve now? This is the way Joshua put it. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness because of all this stuff that He has done for you. This is not uh, uh, Joshua saying, here, here's what you got to do so that you can get what God will do for you. No, God has done something fantastic, and this is your response. Fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your that your ancestors worshipped um, beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose this day whom you are going to serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Today is a good day to choose who it is that you are going to serve. Now, Joshua's call is not the call that we sometimes we get at, um, you go to, if you go to church camp, Thursday night's always the night where they're like, come on, come on, come on, be safe, be baptized, be safe, come on, come on. And they're just like, and there's a fire, because that helps. Uh, you see? Uh, so there's, there's all the things that like you want, and you want these kids to have this emotional connection with God and that they lose all their intellectual connection. Um, my rule is never make a huge life decision after um, weeping or being scared half to death. Um, I don't know if you around Halloween these like these houses where they they bring out it's like a haunted house but it's based on whatever it is that we've dreamed up from from hell you know. So, like, literally, I'm not swearing. 
I have to throw that caveat in. We, these, I think they call them hell houses, right? And they bring them through and they scare them and they're like, oh, now, ah, and kids are screaming. And then they say, they say, now do you want to be saved? And the kid says, yes. <laughs> no kid gets to the end and be like, nah. Don't make any huge life decisions at this point. It's not a good idea. You're not going to stay committed to that. Joshua's standing at the entrance of something that's big is about to happen. And he's saying, today is the day you make an intellectual decision about who you are going to serve. And within that intellectual decision, you put all of your strength and all of your emotion into it. So your passion and your drive will be, will be fueling what you have thought through. But today is the day that you've got to decide. Are you going to choose God? Are you going to serve the Lord? Or are you going to serve some other God? For us, our gods are not the ones beyond the Euphrates. Our gods are not the ones beyond the Nile. Our gods are the gods that serve us. We are a very self-serving people. Our gods are the gods like the God of love. We serve Aphrodite, the goddess of love. If you've missed this sermon series, this is the last sermon in the sermon series, uh, we hit Aphrodite, Mammon, and Mars in full sermons. If you want to get into that more, you can go listen to that. I ordered thunder for this sermon. It's an ambience. Um, but we serve not just love like the idea of godly love. We serve the, the idea of self-satisfying love. Love that helps just me. That serves just me. And so we'll get into our marriages and we'll get into uh, that sort of love. And we'll say, well, as long as this love is serving me. There's not many things that can make me want to throw my dog at my TV, but this is one of them. I don't ever do it. Don't be so judgmental. Um, so there's, when someone on TV in like a romantic comedy or someone, something says, you know, I love him, I just don't know if I'm in love with him. That doesn't even make sense. That's not even a real thing to say. If you love some, there's not, love is not a ditch to be in or to fall in. It's a verb that you do. It's this thing that happens. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that you act out toward other people. And so if you love your spouse, it's not about whether or not you just, you're, you're getting some sort of fulfillment from it. You will. But your number one priority needs to be, how do I self-sacrificially love? See, when we worship Aphrodite, when we worship love like this sort of this uh, idea, it's only a self-serving thing. And in the end, we just worship ourselves. When we worship money, it's never, we never worship money. We never worship other people's money. We worship our own. We worship the idea of money. We say, well, we just, if, if, if I could just get this certain amount of money, then I'll be set. 
Our idea of like improving our life usually begins with, if I could just get a little more money. And we worship that God, but when we worship that God, in the end we're just worshiping ourselves. We worship power. The God of power and conquering and let me just, let me just get in control. This is one we kind of, we do passive aggressively a little bit sometimes. Have you ever heard someone say, um, you know, I don't care what other people think of me. All right. Why are you telling me that? If you really didn't care what other people thought of you, you wouldn't tell anybody that. But now we're trying to manage everyone's perceptions of us because that gives us power over the situation. Have you ever been afraid to do something, something you should do, because you're afraid of how the other person might react? You're like, oh, I'll know how they react. What you're actually afraid of is you're afraid of not having control and power over that situation. Going into a situation that you're not in control of. That's scary and dangerous, but if it's needed, give up control. We worship things that don't lift up God, but lift up ourselves. And, you know, in the end, this is what the the, um, Israelites wrestled with too. When they eventually became uh, worshipers of Baal, B-A-A-L, if you want to pronounce it super straight, it's Baal, but we're in the south, so I say Baal. Um, When they started worshiping him, it was a fertility god it was it was you got it helped it helped you um, you grow a family it helped you grow a crop for them god was a god of war god did this one thing and baal did this other thing and they didn't see any problem with worshiping both when they needed to worship both they'd worship god when they needed a victory they'd worship baal when they needed a crop That's why it's so significant when Elijah says, Hey, so you want to worship Baal? No more rain, no more crops. God can do this. Yeah. And so there's a... um, There's no more... they, they, They thought they could pick God, the Lord, and Baal... Whenever it was convenient. And I think this is the problem we wrestle with. It's not that we don't believe in God. It's that we also believe that money has just as much power or more at times than God himself. And we also believe that love, somehow if I could find this perfect relationship that's easy and peasy and lemon squeezy, we would be able to go. You know, I'd be set for life. And it just doesn't work out that way. It's just all these things aren't as easy as we thought they would be. But we worship these things, not just the things we have, but the idea of having it in perfection or the idea of having more of it. When I need power, I think power's the answer. When I need love, I think love's the answer. Love that, self, that satisfies me. And when I need money, I think money's the answer. And in all those cases, none of those things are the answer. When you need money... God's the answer. Let me rephrase that. Um, I don't think believing in God can enrich your bank account. 
I just put that down for the record. I don't, I don't think following Jesus can make you healthy all the time. Everybody who, who's ever been a Christian other than Jesus, although he's, not, he's a Jew and he's not following himself, um, semantics, I know, but everybody who's ever been a Christian has died except you and you will too. And they've died of different things. Heart disease, cancer, diabetes, trucks hitting them. Like, accidents. They've, they've died. And the, the message of Jesus is not, I'm keeping you safe, and I'm keeping you wealthy, and I'm keeping you in control, and I'm keeping you powerful. The message of Jesus is, let the world do its worst. And you'll still get up out of the grave. Forgive it. Let the world do its worst and you still, you still are you're still winning the day. You're going to be okay. They may kill you, but you're going to be okay. See, the message of Jesus isn't for health, it's not for wealth, and it's not for power. I don't know if you noticed, but we stayed in Mark 10 through all of these. Mark 10, first part of Mark 10, he runs into some people who see marriage as a very self-satisfying thing. Uh, Right in the middle of Mark 10, we run into this rich young man who doesn't follow Jesus because Jesus says, give everything away. And toward the end of Mark 10, we have um, James and John wanting to have authority and be on the throne when Jesus ascends to his throne and Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for, you don't know what you're talking about. But right in the middle of all this, right in the middle of all these gods that they're wrestling with through Mark 10, Jesus says something pretty profound. They were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Here's what's going to happen. Now, before we get to what he says, uh, what they thought was going to happen is kind of significant here. They thought that they were going to Jerusalem and it was about to go down. Some of the Jewish leaders didn't like Jesus and those guys were going to have to um, take a whooping too. The Roman soldiers were going to have to take a whooping. Um, There was a group of Jewish people um, who believed that as soon as the Messiah showed up, your job was to take a sword to the first Roman soldier you saw. And when Jesus says he's the Messiah, um, and especially when Peter says Jesus is the Messiah, and just a couple chapters earlier, their thought is, it's about to go down. And they were all a little nervous. Again, the 12, um, look, look at what it says earlier in verse 32. The disciples were astonished and those who followed were afraid. Some were ready to go, but just kind of unbelieving that this is what's going to happen. And some were quite scared. Jesus says, here's what's going to happen. It's not what you think is going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man, this is how he refers to himself a lot in Mark, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, And kill him. Three days later he will rise. And this is exactly 
what happened. I believe that Jesus suffered at the hands of his own people, that Jesus suffered at the hands of the Roman government, and that he died a brutal death on a cross. And three days later, he rose. Can money do that for you? Can the magical idea of love that is promoted in our society do that for you? Not godly love, but self, selfish love. Like we talked about eros and philos. Can it? Can power do that? Steve Jobs died last year, or maybe the year before. Time flies. Um, and he's still dead. Nothing against Steve Jobs. I'm actually a fan. But he's still dead. There are people who would have followed Steve Jobs to the ends of the earth. We all did. I've joked about this before, but he just waved the exact same thing in front of us and said, it's a little different, and we all spent the $300. Here's a new... Steve Jobs is the, the, was the CEO of Apple for a while. Sorry, I assumed that was common knowledge. It's not. Waved that iPhone in front of us, and we all said, yes, yes, I need that. This old, one I, this old one I have is awful. And he said, well, man, you must have had that for like a decade or something. No, nine months and it's getting awful. Your screen resolution's not as good. <laughs> there are probably like three people on the planet who can tell the difference between the screen resolution. Peyton Rather's one of them. Um... So there is, sorry, Peyton. I'm not sorry. Uh, but that people would have fallen into the ends of the earth and they would have done, they'd throw money at him. Just, just give me your money. And they gave him money. He had power. He said, he said in, invent a thing to scientists. And they invented the thing for him. And then he got to act like he just came, like built it in his garage still. Hold it up in, in front of everybody. People loved him. And he's still dead. He is not the one that resurrected. He is not the one that died for you. He, the money, power, and love. People have it all over the world. And they're still dying. And they're still staying dead. Jesus of Nazareth is the only one who, when dying, after dying, got up from the grave. So you need to decide who you're going to follow. You need to choose today who you're going to serve. Because the gods that serve me in the end don't serve me as much as Jesus did. The gods I think benefit me in the end don't benefit me as much as Jesus does. 
It's interesting, if you read the rest of uh, Joshua 24, he says, uh, all the people say, say, we will serve the Lord, all of them. And, and Joshua, like a good um, tent revival preacher, said, oh, no, no, you will not. He, bound the, he banged the podium. Um, you can't do it. He said, it's too hard. You're too, you're too dim-witted of a people, he told them. You just can't do it. You're so saturated in your other gods. You can't turn away from your other gods. And they said, no, we can do it. And he said, okay, well, let this be the day that it's known that you said you would. So I, I, I would suggest, and this is just my suggestion, you, you think it through. But stop trying to serve all the other gods. And the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of, who rescued his people from Egypt and brought his people into the land of Israel, the God who sent his son to die on the cross and be raised in three days, the God who united his people with the people, with the Gentiles. He put us together, forgave our sins, gave us hope for life after death. You can choose that God, but I think you need to think about it. Because choosing that God means... That your Mondays and your Tuesdays and your Fridays look different than they did before. Choosing that God means that when you look at your checkbook, it looks different than you did than it did before. Choosing that God means that when in your marriage you are a different husband, you are a different wife than you were before. And choosing that God means that you no longer seek to control situations, but you seek to serve people within them. So yeah, it may be hard for you. But I think it's worth it. I think the only victory we can hope for is the one found in Jesus. And all other gods will lead you to death. And no other gods have beaten death. So choose today who you will serve. It matters. Actually, I think it's probably one of the only things that really does. Choose who you will serve. And then tomorrow, remind yourself of that choice. Here's here's a prayer for you. Just in the morning. Our Father, you are holy Help me serve just you today. See how that starts off your Monday. But today, Sunday, I think it's time to choose if you haven't. Now, if you want to chase after money, I feel like I've made a decent case against it, but if if that's what you choose, that's what you choose. If you want to chase after self-satisfying love, if you want to chase after power... If that's what you choose, that's what you choose. But I, I, I think the best choice is, is God. The best, I think the best choice is a resurrected king. And I think the best choice is to give up selfish gods and give, over, give yourself over to the God who sacrificed his self 
for you. If you need anything this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing.